BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast, the bombshell from the U.S. Supreme Court. Never has a draft decision been leaked out of the court, the pillar of justice, the cornerstone of America's judicial system. But yes, it indeed happened, and at the heart of it, the most polarizing case in American politics, abortion. There's no doubt the Supreme Court will recover, but how? And how could this have happened in the first place? We talked with Western Illinois University Supreme Court and constitutional law professor, Dr. Richard Hardy. Dr. Hardy, thanks for joining us. Let's start with this leak. How profound is that? How much does that shake and rattle the nation's high court? Well, it certainly has rocked it, um, unlike I've ever seen before. Um, you know, ever since the Supreme Court uh, began, they've uh, been shrouded in secrecy in terms of uh, their decision making. Um, you know, I've been to the Supreme Court. I've been in that room where they, the conference room off of the Chief Justice's uh, office where they make those decisions, not when they were making the decision. Rarely does anybody get in there, uh, but when somebody, when they're in session, nobody, nobody gets in. And when they, they have their own telephone system, they have their own system of communication, and they do not allow anybody to leak that. And uh, that's a norm that has never been violated up until now. And so uh, given, uh, given the seriousness and the contentiousness of this decision on abortion, uh, it has, has magnified it many times over. And um, uh, they have to get to the bottom of it, obviously, but it is uh, something that um, has uh, absolutely broken all norms of, of conduct for the Supreme Court. Does this say something about the Roberts Supreme Court? I mean, that it, it, has he lost control of his own Supreme Court? Well, he may feel that way. Um, now, we have to find out where this came from. Now, if it came from a justice, this is uh, grounds for impeachment, I would think. Uh, I doubt that it would. Um, all indications it might be um, um, a clerk. Every justice has four law clerks. They're selected uh, from recent graduates of the top law schools in the United States. They're at the cream of the crop. Um, in fact, many of the people on the Supreme Court were law clerks, uh, including John Roberts, including uh, uh, Breyer, uh, uh, Gorsuch, uh, Kavanaugh. These people have been, uh, you know, it's, it's a real trust. So if someone there leaked it, uh, it is going to be very serious for them. Um, uh, I don't know what their future holds. You know, it kind of reminds me in some respects of when, uh, when the Watergate, uh, excuse me, when the, uh, the Pentagon Papers, uh, uh, papers were leaked uh, to the New York Times and Washington Post. 
and some people felt as though the person is a, a, a real hero for exposing what went on there in, in uh, Ford's, Ford administrations, and others thought the person was a, a, you know, a traitor. I think what we're seeing here is, I think you mentioned in your intro, that some are praising this person as a profile in courage, while others are saying, you've just violated the most important trust that anybody could have in our system is to violate the trust of the, of the Supreme Court. So um, I guess we'll find out what happened and, and uh, we'll go from there, but it, it is extremely serious. Explain to me the protocol that you have when it comes to uh, a decision and an opinion being drafted. Um, the opinion is, is drafted by, of course, there's a majority and a minority opinion. Right. Who picked Samuel Alito and why do you think he was picked for this? Well, the way that the court works is, first of all, you have to have a rule of four to get the case to the Supreme Court. And obviously, there were at least four members that wanted to get this. And, uh, and then once they decide uh, in the conference room, they go around the table and they uh, give their views and they take a vote. If the chief justice is in the majority, uh, then the chief justice will uh, write the case or he can assign it to somebody else uh, to, that is closest to his opinion. If the chief justice is not in the majority, then it goes to the most senior member and that person can decide who writes the opinion. I'm kind of leaning to the fact that uh, that John Roberts was not in the majority, was, is not, was not writing the opinion, that uh, he was probably in, in the, on, on the dissent. Now, for it to be law, five members have to agree to the exact same decision to be law. Otherwise, it's a ruling, and you need five, four in order to make that ruling. Um, when they make that decision, they always send it around for comment. It's, it's, the, it's what they do out of courtesy, and everybody gets to look at it and offer suggestions. People can write dissents. There could be dissenting opinion, or it could, you know, you've got all different combinations here. But when it's sent out, Everybody makes a comment if they want to, and then it goes back before the final draft is, is presented to the court. At any time during that time, it can change. So what we have seen, if this was written by Alito, that, uh, that, was, uh, uh, that was prematurely uh, let out. And, um, and uh, this, is, uh, this is not necessarily the final result, but it sure gives an indication what the court's going to do in terms of Roe versus Wade, in this case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Center. Well, Dobbs versus Jackson is what this case is about, having yeah. a test of the Mississippi law that yeah. had the 15-week uh, 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 viability, I guess, uh, what would you say, the 15-week line uh, as far as an abortion is concerned. Yeah. Well, Roe versus Wade uh, uh, picked viability as the uh, right. beginning of the seventh month and which you would be capable of living outside the womb. But uh, in the Jackson case, they're talking about detecting a heartbeat uh, a f that the fetus then, uh, many would, the law in Mississippi would call it a, a human being. Uh, and so therefore, that's, that's the new demarcation that it would be. But are and you surprised so that Alito went as far as he did? I mean, he didn't just limit it at least according to this draft, he didn't just limit it to the uh, Dobbs case, which right. would be a little more specific. He went straight after uh, Casey, 
uh, Planned Parenthood versus right. Casey, as well as Roe v. Wade? Well, I have a list that I've given my students of the cases that have taken place in the Supreme Court, been rendered by the Supreme Court since um, Roe versus Wade, and it's an extensive list. And every time that we come before the court, it would be nibbling away at asking questions about what about father's rights? What about um, the parents' rights if you got a 13 year old who becomes pregnant? There are an infinite number of cases before the court. Casey, of course, is probably the most far reaching since that time, saying that really you, you can't do anything to encumber a woman's right to, to uh, have this abortion. But here's the problem from the very beginning, if I may. In order to be a right, a fundamental right, it has to be found in the Constitution. For example, the First Amendment says uh, there should be no abridgment of freedom of speech or press. Uh, the, the Fifth Amendment, uh, no self-incrimination or double jeopardy. But the problem with some rights that we perceive in the public as a right, for example, education. A lot of people say education is a fundamental right. Well, it's not because the word education is not found in the Constitution. It's therefore left up to the states under the 10th Amendment. Those powers not given to the national government or prohibited states are reserved to the respective to the states or to the people. That includes homeschooling. The problem with privacy rights, is, which uh, Roe versus Wade is based upon, is that there is no provision of privacy in the Constitution. So it's based on inference. And if we went back to what Justice Blackmun said in, the, in Roe versus Wade, he says, well, there are zones of privacy. And for example, I may show this, uh, if this is with the Constitution here, and you can't find it in this Constitution, but you find the First Amendment says, uh, well, freedom of expression and freedom of religion. And the Third Amendment, no quartering of soldiers. And the Fourth Amendment uh, uh, says uh, your right to your be secure in your person's house, papers, sex against unreasonable search and seizure shall not be violated. And you got the Fifth Amendment, no uh, freedom from self-incrimination. And the Ninth Amendment, whatever that entails, uh, cast a shadow. And in the shadow I got on my desk here, uh, is the zone of privacy. And that's big enough to include the right to have an abortion. Well, it's based on an inference upon an inference. And even, even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is the most staunch uh, supporter of abortion rights, has said on occasion that she's worried about the way it was built, constructed, and it could very well collapse down the road. We have a situation where we've got now with Trump's appointees, with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, uh, we have a majority of people who now believe in that uh, that uh, that this abortion rights is on not on firm ground, and this is the bone of contention. And a lot of people think it's been there for so long. We're just going to continue with this right. Uh, what this uh, what this case appears to do is to send it back to the states. It does not necessarily make abortion illegal, but it would throw it back to the states where uh, the fights would be then in the state legislatures in Springfield and Des Moines and, and uh, Jefferson City, et cetera. Uh, that's the importance of this case. And uh, it's as much a federalism issue as it is a fundamental right to freedom and privacy. You know so well the Supreme Court, the buck stops there, whether it's issues of morality or politics or anything else. And so people say, oh, gee, the Supreme Court shouldn't be politicized, but it can't avoid it, can it? 
From the very beginning, the U.S. Supreme Court has been both a political body and a judicial body. It's a political body in the fact that the president nominates him. The advice and consent of the Senate for the appointment uh, is very political. It has been growing at accelerated rate being political, especially since the Bork hearing, in which Joe Biden was the um, presiding uh, uh, committee person on the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. It has increased to the point at which uh, it's so cantankerous that I don't know why anybody would want to serve. Uh, you don't have to look up your family history. Uh, your opponents will do that for you. Uh, it is uh, becoming a scathing, uh, demeaning process in some respects to whoever goes up. So um, it stops there. Well, there is something that's above that. You could pass a constitutional amendment. Uh, in fact, we've had four Supreme Court decisions that have been overturned by U.S. by the U.S. Supreme Court uh, of the court by a U.S. constitutional amendment. It happened with the Fourteenth Amendment, an overturning Dred Scott. It happened with the uh, 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 the income tax overcoming a case. Um, uh, rendered in 1895, we could go down the line. But you can overturn that. And of course, there's one more thing. It's been said that Supreme Courts follow election returns. And that is oftentimes when the most contentious cases come out, it's usually at a time of great social upheaval when we're, our nation is changing and they feel like the Supreme Court might be out of sync with what the, the American public wants. And when that occurs, eventually, there's enough pressure that they've kind of changed. Uh, Roosevelt tried to uh, change the court in 1935. He didn't succeed. He was upset because four of his top uh, uh, programs for the New Deal were declared unconstitutional by the Hughes Court. And eventually, uh, uh, those people retired from the court. He got new people on the court. And two or three people changed their minds. And eventually, Roosevelt got exactly what he wanted at the very end. So uh, it's an ebb and flow. It's, it's not static by any stretch of imagination. People change, personnel change, and uh, opinions change. Western Illinois University political science professor, Dr. Richard Hardy. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.